Hello everyone, Jose Zais here. And if you're just tuning in, we're in the middle of six things that Jesus gives in Matthew 5 that help us understand the Bible and what it means for us today. Remember, Jesus is showing his followers in this teaching what it means to live under God's good rule. And then he is the fulfillment. He didn't come to throw out the Bible. He came to fulfill it. And he gives six examples of things that God had already said to, to his people centuries prior but they weren't fully understand and they weren't fully lived out until Jesus arrives and shows us the way. Well, we're gonna look at numbers five and six. It's gonna be a little bit long, but these are interconnected. Here's the thing. What Jesus says in these verses, I think of the six examples are the most profound and practically the most challenging to live out. So I'm gonna kind of tee it up and, and help us think about it. But this is gonna take us not just days and weeks, but I think years to really live into if we're serious about following Jesus. Well, let's just read it. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter five and we'll start in verse 38. And you've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. And if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And we'll just continue. This is the sixth thing. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not, do not even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? This, this final line is so powerful. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So much here. Here's what we're going to do. We're looking at these two statements of Jesus. He's quoting from two parts of the Bible, and they interplay. But in order to understand what he's saying, you always have to look at what we call context. Like if you want to understand one line, you have to look at the lines around it. And because these are building on one another, what we're going to do is look at the whole thing in reverse. Usually we go from beginning to end, chapter one to chapter two. You know, we're going to do it in Chinese character style. We're literally going to go from the back and work our way front. Why? Because it's the final line that's going to help us understand what these two different statements mean. Let's just start with the final line, verse 48. Be perfect, Jesus says, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect. Okay, what does that mean? Well, this is both a command and a promise, and I need you to think about that. It's a command, be perfect, to his followers. You be perfect, but it's also a promise because remember, what Jesus has already told his disciples is these things are true of you. Blessed are you. Don't forget, all of this teaching is based on the Beatitudes. Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, because you belong to the Father. So while Jesus is saying, I want you to live into this and be perfect, he's also saying, I am here and I'm going to perfect you. Now, when I say perfect, you're immediately thinking, never do anything wrong. Okay, that's impossible. You're right. As a matter of fact, 
perfect here does not mean sinless. Only God is sinless. Whew, breathe deep. But it does mean, and as a matter of fact, other translations say, complete. When you look at this word, you could, um, you could interpret it fully developed is the idea. Be fully developed, says Jesus, just as your father is fully developed. Or you could uh, translate it complete or mature. The concept here is Jesus is saying these six examples, these six things that I've shown you from the Bible are God's pathway to become like God. So, so the, the command and the promise, and this is why when we look at these last two, it's going to be important to remember this. It's God's desire that you and I would be fully developed. When it comes to murder and anger, he wants us to be fully developed, respond like God does. When it comes to adultery and, and lust, what does God want? He wants us to be fully developed, complete, mature. He wants us to live in a relationship like he does. When it comes to marriage and commitments, so when it comes to truth-telling, when it comes to all these things, God's goal is in one sense, not that you would live the next week without sin, like never do anything wrong, because frankly, that is not going to happen this side of eternity. But what can happen is you can become complete, mature, developed in the way you think about God, the way you see yourself, and the way you live your life. So be fully developed. Now, why? Well, we're going to work our way backwards. Be fully developed as your, or be perfect as your father is perfect. The goal of the Jesus follower, the goal of the sons and daughters, is to become like the Father. And this is what Jesus is doing. As a matter of fact, this is why Jesus came. So that we would live as sons and daughters. We would enjoy a relationship with God. We would enjoy grace and mercy and another chance. Yet, God's concerned that our character develops to live like Him, which totally makes sense. Now, he's going to give now two examples on, on how to do that. Remember, we're going from the end and working our way back. What does it mean to live like the Father? Okay, all we need to do is go a few verses back. Verse 43, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now notice, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Okay, now it makes sense. Be fully developed. Well, how can, I, how can I live like the Father? Now, this is going to be one key example. Our Father loves. So one of the things that God wants to do, of the many things God, that God wants to do in your life, is he, he, he wants to rewire our brain and the way we think and then the way we feel and live when it comes to loving other people. And the word love is so big, it's so broad, you know, because like, I happen to love Thai food. Well, actually, I love Japanese food, and I love Indian food, and I love Latin food. I love food. Okay, I love food. I love my dog, little Daisy, that cute little rescue dog. She's absolutely adorable. I love my dog. I love my wife. I, I love my kids. I love, I love you. I love this church. I love the sunshine. And I use love for all of those, and those are not the same thing. So this sixth thing that God's gonna, Jesus is gonna use to help us understand the heart of God is the Father loves. Now, when, when, when we say the Father loves, what does that mean? 
This is a beautiful example. As a matter of fact, the quote here is from Leviticus 19. And in God's law, uh, he said, love your neighbor. And if you read all of Leviticus 19, you'll see that it actually describes what love looks like. So for us to love our neighbor, if you think back to the things we've already talked about, to love my neighbor means that I deal with my own anger and don't harm my neighbor, right? To love my neighbor means that I don't lust after what my neighbor has or, what, or who my neighbor is, but I treat them with respect. Uh, I don't cheat. To love my neighbor means I don't lie. So all of these things are about the neighbor. But if you, if you read Leviticus 19 verse 18, you know, love your neighbor, what you don't get is hate your enemy. Well, that's intriguing. So, so what Jesus says is in their day, they were saying, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, quote from the Bible, and hate your enemy. That was actually an interpretation of these various things in the Bible where it seemed like God's people are called to feel like God feels about their enemies. But what Jesus is actually going to do is correct. You have heard it said, people are saying, show love to your neighbor. But if the person is not your neighbor, you can treat them like an enemy. Hate your enemy. And Jesus is actually saying, this is not the way of God. This needs some correction. Because what does he do? I tell you, love your enemies and pray. Bring to God. Bring before God those who persecute you. God loves. And what we're going to see is, in, in practical terms, is that God's love and the way God treats people, even if they love him back or they don't love him back, is very different from the way we treat people. And so the goal of the Jesus followers, to say the obvious, is to learn to treat people the way God does. The Father loves everyone. Write that down. The Father our Father, the Creator God, He loves everyone. So in our culture, we're going to love our neighbor, right? The ones who are close, the, one, the ones who are in our crowd. But you can hate your enemy or despise your enemy or ignore your enemy or treat your enemy the way you want to because they're not close. And, and that is not the heart of God. As a matter of fact, when you read the Bible carefully, you're going to realize that God's love for people is not dependent on the way they return their affection towards God. God loves people that love him back. True or not true? Uh, it's absolutely true. God loves people who treat God terribly. True or not true? We'll just read the, the Bible record and you're going to find that's absolutely true. Uh, God loves people who live horribly. God loves people that worship demons. He absolutely loves them. Now, again, like I said, these last two are going to be profound and, and challenging for us to live out. Uh, you've heard Jesus said, you've heard verse 43, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Uh, I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who who persecute you so that you'll be seen as children of heaven. So the children should reflect the Father's heart. Now, how does the Father love? This is, this is poetic and beautiful. God shows, or I say Jesus shows what God the Father's love is like 
through his next few words. Look at what he says next. He, God, causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Like I was saying earlier, God loves differently than we do. God sends sunshine on those who do what's right, who love him, and those who are evil, who, who don't love him in return. God gives rain. Now, this is an agrarian. This is a farming culture. You need sun and you need rain to grow crops. You need those two things to survive. You need those to provide for your family. You need those to have business. You need those to make it in this world. And, and what Jesus corrects, he corrects a wrong view of God that he's gonna show love, that God shows love to his neighbor and hates his enemy. He's actually gonna say, well, God actually feeds everybody. That's love. God has a deep, deep love for every human he has made. Now, he's gonna get to us and our response to that. Bottom line, do we love people irrespective of their behavior? Irrespective of their behavior towards us? Do we seek blessing and good for those who do we find to not be good? Or maybe in our own eyes, worthy of God's blessing? So Jesus is gonna get in our face. But what we need to know is God loves everyone and his love is deeper and his love is broader than ours is. And, and, and he's gonna continue by example because God feeds everyone, right? Remember, don't hate your enemy. We're to pray for those who persecute you because this is what God is like. It's not like he's trying, us to, be, of trying to create us to be some impossible kind of people who like contradict each other. No, we're children of the Father. We're sons and daughters of the Father. The Father shows love no matter what people's behavior is. Verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward are you gonna get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And in their, their day, the, the, the role model for your life was not the tax collector. Aren't these people that everyone sees as cheats and wrong? Don't they even show that kind of behavior, that kind of goodness. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't, don't even the pagans do that? So we're called to love, right? And so Jesus is saying, obviously, like, even those who don't follow God, even those who are seen as the worst role models, well, even they show love to people who are more than just their their close neighbor, even they could show kindness. Humans can do evil, of course. But what Jesus is saying is there's beauty and there's love in all of humanity. And even those who don't call on the name of Jesus and don't follow him are doing some really good stuff. God has put his DNA on us. And so, yes, we are tainted by sin, but we're not dirt. We're not garbage. There is beauty in the way that God's made us. Okay, so if if people who don't follow God and people who text God, if they're showing and demonstrating love beyond just to the neighbor, oh, by the way, you're my followers. Shouldn't your love be more like God's love? Because we call on the uh, name of God as Father, shouldn't, shouldn't we go the extra mile, so to speak, to demonstrate God, God's love? And the answer is yes. Because God loves without limits. God's love is an unlimited love. What we tend to do is we love our own and we push out everyone else. And Jesus is saying, that may be human nature, but you're, you're more than just human nature. You now have God's divine imprint. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. And since you and I are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we can, over time, 
actually show love to people in ways that in our own humanity, we never would have been able to. The Holy Spirit can produce in us a lifestyle that's guided by God's love. And, and because God's love is limited love, what Jesus is gonna do is he's gonna push the boundaries of who we think we're supposed to love. All right, so let's just recap for a second. What's God's goal, verse 48? That we would live fully developed lives. That we would live like the Father. Okay, what is the Father like? Well, we saw in this sixth example, God is a God shows a love without limits. And so we need to broaden the way that we love people. Now, what is all this about? Like, how do we, how do we demonstrate this kind of God-like love? If it's not just supposed to be to our neighbor, and by the way, in their day, they limited, just in practice, the neighbor was those who are already in the people of faith, those who were already a part of the nation of Israel, those who were Jewish. So I wasn't required as a good Bible-believing, God-loving person to extend radical love. At least this was their interpretation. It was wrong. Jesus corrects it. But my neighbor is the person who is like me and who's in the faith. I need to pour out God's love to them. Those who are outside, you have heard it said, says Jesus, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. You're treating those outside of God's family with ways that God would never treat them. So Jesus offers to his followers this corrective, a love without limits. All right, now, what is a love without limits in, like, in reality? Because that sounds ethereal. <laughs> Work our way backwards. Now we'll look at the fifth example, and then you're just going to see how this all ties together. Verse 38, you have heard it said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And I, we've kind of heard this if you've ever been to Bible or it's, it's even in our culture, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which basically says, I get to pay you back. Jesus is quoting here Exodus 21. Remember, Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments are the, are the big framework. First four, how we love God. Last six are how we love our neighbor. So the Ten Commandments frame out, but they're not the only commandments. There's 613 so you got the 10, then you have 600 other three that show us how we love God and love our neighbor, like specifically. So Exodus 21 has all sorts of examples of what our neighborly love is supposed to look like. Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What is, what is that about? Well, let's just turn to Exodus uh, 21, and I'm going to start in verse um, 22. This is just like to see the, the context, the framework. Uh, if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is a serious injury, then here's where we go. You are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and bruise for bruise. But let's just keep reading. Don't stop there. An owner who hits a male or female slave in the eye and destroys it 
must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And an owner who knocks out the tooth of a male or female slave must let the slave go free to compensate for the tooth. I read a lot for a reason. So you may be wondering, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. What is it about? Well, it's about, it's about love and justice. How do I love my neighbor as myself? Because my neighbor is going to accidentally or purposefully hurt me. And I'm going to, at times, like accidentally or purposefully hurt someone. And so God is about love and doing what's right. To love someone means that we do what's right. And, and if I harm someone, how am I going to restore that right relationship? Ten Commandments. Love God and love people. But what do we do when we mess it up? And we do. What you get here is, is God showing his people that to do what's right and just means that when a harm has happened, uh, the reply must fit the harm. Uh, I'm going to use an extreme example. You caused me to get a paper cut and I shoot you. Now, this would never happen, right? But uh, is that just? Is that, is that love and a response? You gave me a paper cut and I shoot you and you're dead. Uh, obviously, that's, that's wacky and we all get it because the punishment there was way out of whack for the, the paper cut level of a crime. Now, Jesus is going to say, how do we know and live in the Father's love? You have heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Now, here's the flip. Notice the next phrase from Jesus. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Whoa. Now, this, you got to catch that as a shocker. God's heart and love and justice has been about if you injure a pregnant woman, oh, but there's no harm, you still owe the family. Oh, but if the baby dies, life for life, hand for hand, foot for foot, wound for wound, like, the, the, there is a right way to pay when someone inflicts like intentional harm or accidental harm. We need to do what's right. And Jesus says, don't resist an evil person. You've, and in other words, by the time of Jesus, this whole concept of, of right payment for the crime missed the heart of God. The heart of God is love. The heart of God is love. So we shouldn't take God's law, God's words, and look for a way, how much can I get them back for what they did to me? There's a difference between, between a, a right response and justice and revenge, right? And it's subtle, but we know. There's a difference between saying, I have been wronged, and you know, we need to make this right. Because I care, this, this harm, this evil must be taken care of. That's good. But I think human nature is bent on revenge. And God knows, oh man, God knows our story. And he knows that the heart, remember, these are all matters of the heart. God is not interested in you just ticking some boxes and, and following some rules. He's interested in a renovation and a transformation of the heart. And when, when we've had a genuine transformation of the heart, when we are harmed, when evil comes our way, Jesus says, I tell you, don't resist an evil person. And this is challenging. Don't resist it. Don't resist him. Now, 
what this, let me tell you what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean Jesus is saying, and some have interpreted this in a way, Jesus is saying that we need to become a doormat where we just, anything, you want, you want to come and get me? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'm not going to resist you. Do whatever you want. That is not what Jesus is saying. And the reason I know that is because the examples that Jesus gives. We always need to look at the Bible in context. What is loving like God loves? A love without limits look like in our real world. Look at what he says next. Don't resist an evil uh, a person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Again, this has been <laughs> taught, understood, and explained in all sorts of ways. I'm going to use a tax collector because Jesus, a few verses down, says don't even the tax collectors treat people well? Let me give you a scenario in his day, and this would have happened in Jesus' day. Whatever you did had to be taxed, right? The Roman government was there to get its money. So whatever your job is, you're a farmer, when you, when you get, get your crops, they're there to get their tax. If you're a fisherman, which lots of people did one or two or both, uh, you're taxed on the fish. So whatever it is, uh, you just collected whatever, your grain, your fish, and you're going to bring it to market, and there they are. The Romans want their money, and the Romans contracted with Jews who knew the language and the culture and they knew where everybody were to be tax collectors because they, they'll find people. And so there they are. And the, you go to the tax collector's booth and you realize like, man, I don't have the, ta I don't have the money. I, I haven't sold this stuff. I don't have the money to pay my tax. And so you go there and you're like, well, this is what I have. But you try to work a deal. You're like, hey, if, uh, let me sell it. I'm going to do my thing. And I want to do what's right. And a way of publicly embarrassing and shaming someone was to slap him in the face. Someone slapped you in the face. It was to demean and belittle you in the community. And your reputation in the community meant everything. Your name meant everything. So it was a big dishonorable thing to slap someone publicly in the face. So the tax collector slaps you in the face. How are you going to respond? Now, let's remember, God wants us to live fully developed, complete, mature, what does that mean? That we learn to love like God loves and God doesn't limit his love to good people. God's love is limitless. How do I know this? He gives rain on the righteous and unrighteous. The sun shines and God blesses people who aren't necessarily good. So he says, someone slaps you on the cheek, what do, you, what do you do now? Because they've, they've wronged you, you can stand up for yourself and say, wait a minute, and respond out of anger. Oh, didn't we just hear that? Didn't we hear Jesus just say, watch your anger, anger in the heart? Why? Because God's response is love. So what, what Jesus is saying is we can show active love by active restraint. Get that. Active love by active restraint. So what Jesus is saying we're to do is not be a doormat so someone can slap us around. And he's not using every scenario. And this, I don't think this is a text. Although people have understood it this way, I don't think that this is the text uh, that we would never respond uh, appropriately with stopping evil. Right? I don't, some people say, well, it's because of text like this. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Therefore, I should never protect. I should never, if someone breaks into my house, you know, if there's a conflict, if I'm a police officer, I just don't think this is the text. But that's another story for another day. Let's focus on what Jesus is saying is 
our response should be active love. In this particular case where someone slaps me on the cheek, what would show active love? I think about the person. I don't just look at the behavior. I think about the person as loved by God. Before I respond, I see them as a creation, a man or woman who has been made in the image of God. The imprint of God is on their life. And I ask myself before I respond, what is going on in their world? In this case, they're now my enemy, right? You have shamed me. You've embarrassed me. I want to do what's right. And you, you took advantage of me. Okay, why? Before I respond, I think about the person. So what Jesus is saying is in this moment, don't you forget, you are a follower of Jesus all of the time. And when people do things that, are, that we see as evil against us, that are evil against us, where we have a right to strike back, Jesus says, you know what God is like? God sees them completely. So what I'm trying to do as one of his followers is to see what's going on in their world. And so I turn the other cheek before responding with evil. I turn the other cheek. And in a sense, I'm saying, okay, something must not be right. Is everything okay with you? Do you have some more anger to get out of you? This would be shocking to the person. So this isn't a doormat philosophy, but rather it is a response that is so unlike human behavior, that is so, can I say, God-like, that the goal is that you're helping this person to receive the love of God. Now, is this the only example that he gives us? No. When other people treat us evil, we respond differently than our culture. Why? Because our Father is God himself. We are children of our Heavenly Father. And God loves people even in their brokenness. So I don't respond with a slap back, but rather I take the time. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to run away. I'm not afraid of you. I'm going to turn the other cheek. What's going on? Why, why in the world would you treat me this way? And the hope and the goal is that they would somehow see the love of God. Uh, look at the next example, because it's, it's in line with what Jesus just said. And if anyone, verse 40, wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Again, this is a crazy example because the shirt he's referring to is your undershirt. This is like your, almost your private undergarments. They're trying to sue you frivolously. Like, why are you going to take my inner shirt? They're, they're trying to wrong you. They're trying to malign you. Uh, what, what could be our response? Our, our response could be eye for eye. Our response could be, well, I'll get one on you. Our response could be evil in return. And what does Jesus say? Give them, give them the outer coat as well. That's a shock. This is shocking. People, t people don't respond this way. L this is America. Lawsuit for counter lawsuit. Litigation for litigation. Money for money, shame for shame. And he's saying, God is not like this. And so he's saying, don't, don't resist the person who something's wrong on their side. Let's live with the response that's love. And this love is the goal of this kind of love is to throw them off in the good sense of what, who, 
What? Why would you respond in this way? Don't withhold. Don't withhold. Do good. Why? This is what your father is like. And the father, our heavenly father, shows love to all sorts of people who are living against him because he wants them back. He made them. He wants them back. And so in the same way, what, what God is saying to us is, as his children, is this easy? No. Verse 48, be fully mature, be complete, developed, right? God wants to create this kind of love in us. And, and so, you know, all right, the scenario so far, slap the cheek and, and the shirt. Okay, those, those aren't like modern day, but let's just, use, um, let's just use what people say about you. So you post something on whatever feed you've got, some reflection or you link an article and this is meaningful to you. This is your opinion. This is how you feel. This is what you're thinking. And then someone just responds with something vile. Like, where did that come from? They either call you an idiot. They either link another thing that says, you're completely wrong. What are you talking about? Or they usually just spout their own opinion, which is demeaning. And they would never have the guts to say to your face. But because this is social media and it's just words that I'm typing, I could say whatever I want. This is real world. How do we respond? The question is, when I am hurt, when evil comes against me, am I thinking about the other person? This is the heart of God. See, you see how profound this is? You see how challenging this is? The heart of God is that they would come close. The heart of God is their response comes from a place. The person who's slapping you when you don't deserve it, comes from a place of brokenness. The person who's trying to sue you frivolously and take what's personal to shame you, it's coming out of a place of brokenness. Most often, we're not looking for their place of brokenness. We're looking for our rights. We live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We live in a culture that believes in these inalienable rights, whatever in the world that is. We live in a society that says you're the most important person and get what's yours. You deserve it. And while those things sound good and maybe part of it's right, it's not the heart of God. The heart of God is for the whole world. And the heart of God's love is that everyone created would be drawn close to him. And so the way people can be drawn close to him is by his followers responding with his kind of love. And so this is radical, man. This is like, this is, and, and by the way, this has been lived out in so many ways. We've seen it lived out, you know, in our last 50 or so, 60 or so years. You, you think when it comes to race and tension and Martin Luther King Jr. who, who put this kind, now hold on. Some of you immediately, because I quoted Martin Luther King Jr., immediately got miffed because like you didn't agree with something or oh, what about this about his life? See, you see my proving the point? We immediately go off. But Martin Luther King Jr., who, who was a Christian and a Christian leader, put this into practice on a large scale. And so they threw him into prison and they beat him and he, he did not respond like for like. He did respond as a human and a Jesus follower in the way of love. He was not soft on his stance. He was not a doormat. He believed that God had created 
black and white to be equally loved before the living God. And so why would black people or brown people or any people be treated any different than white people if they're both created in the image of God? Why is our society treating this group of people, my group of people, horribly? But he did it in the way of love. And so while they tried to defeat him, in one sense, he won the day. It cost him his life, but in one sense, he really won the day, not with more violence, but with speaking the truth and thinking about how the other person could be won over, hear me, from the heart. And that's just on the larger political view in the larger landscape of American history. But I think when it comes to you and I, we have to remember you and I have a choice. We have a choice in how we can respond. And so Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek, think about that other person. Give them the outer coat as well, which requires you to actually think about the other person. And then and the third example, just again, proves the point again of what Jesus is getting at. Verse 41, if anyone, you for, is, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, don't turn him away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now in their day, you know, just history, uh, a Roman soldier was allowed to take anyone, anyone living in a Roman colony and, and uh, have them carry their backpack, carry their stuff for one mile. So the soldiers went all across the empire, right? And they're carrying their stuff. But you can, you can take any, anyone under Roman rule and, and you can say, hey, Here's my backpack. Here's my stuff. I need you to go. Now, you can't abuse it. So even the Romans had law of justice. I can't make you carry it 100 miles. I can't make you carry it 10 miles, but I can make you carry it one mile. Now, this was used terribly. This was used as a way in their day to, to make people feel controlled. So you, there you are. You're just hanging out with your friends, and a group of soldiers come over, and they walk over to you, and he's got a, he's got a big uh, sword and shield and an entire you know, garrison with him, and you got nothing. And he said, hey, you, punk, come here. We're going this way. And dumps his stuff on your lap and says, come on. And this was like, this was evil, right? This was oppression. How does Jesus say we respond? Well, they can make you go one mile. What does Jesus say? Go the second mile. In other words, uh, yeah, you may feel abused in that moment. Yeah, you may feel like looked down on in that moment. And you may want to respond like for like. You may want to tell him off. You may want to find some way to get back. And what Jesus is saying, have you thought about the person? Have you thought about what's going on in their life? Have you thought about how you can demonstrate love? And you know what a demonstrated love would be? As you're walking along, you get to know him a little bit. And as you go, when it's your time, they can't make you go any longer. It would be wrong for the soldier you find a way to say, hey, you know what? You look tired and I appreciate that you're protecting our town. Can, can we continue along? I'm willing to go further. It's just an act of love. Rather than vengeance and rather than violence, we respond with love. We, we think about the person. Now, why in the world would we do that? This is why going in reverse is so helpful in this particular case. Because God wants us to be fully developed and live like him, to live like sons and daughters of our heavenly father. And in order to do that, we're gonna learn to see as God sees and learn to love as God loves. And what did we see today? God loves 
people without limits. He doesn't just love the good people. He loves everyone. And he sees the value in every person. And so God is trying to go after everyone with his love, chase down everyone with his love. And this is what he's saying to his followers. In this world that's very broken, there are going to be people who treat you without love. And that's going to happen to you. By the way, it happened to Jesus. And you have the decision to make. Are you going to respond kind with kind, eye with eye, tooth with tooth, harm with harm, or are you going to be a child of the king and think about the other person, see them as a neighbor? Anyone can love their neighbor and hate their enemy. But because we have the Holy Spirit, we can actually learn to love everyone. And Jesus, if you read the Gospels, will redefine neighbor. See, in their view, neighbor was just Jewish people who keep the Bible. But in God's view, he wants to demonstrate love to everyone, bring everyone back. So Jesus is going to show us the better way. And the better way is that we learn to respond out of not brokenness, not out of a desire to have revenge, not to have my needs met. But I learn and you learn and we learn as a church to respond in such loving ways that it causes the other person to be shocked when you turn the other cheek and when you go that extra mile and when you give your coat as well, when you, we behave in ways that are not human, but rather godlike, you know what it opens the door for? It, it opens the door for the other person to experience God's love. And isn't that why we're here? Now to pull this full circle, who in the world can live this way? Jesus. Because you think about this, when Jesus is put on trial, falsely, he is slapped in the face. And you know what? Jesus does not respond with an unkind word. Jesus. So Jesus is only telling us, his followers, to live like the Father. And Jesus not only tells us to do it, but Jesus modeled it. Why? Jesus is beaten. Jesus' beard is ripped out. Jesus is lashed in his back when he didn't deserve it. Jesus is stabbed in the side. Jesus has the, the crown of thorns put on his head. Jesus is punched and beat to a pulp. Jesus is made to carry his own cross as, as a shaming act to the point where he can't even carry anymore. And Jesus does not speak one evil word against anyone. And then Jesus is nailed to a cross when, he's, when he can command angels. Jesus is the power to send God's messengers and destroy everyone, and Jesus doesn't. And then Jesus, when he's mocked on the cross, what, is, what, is he, what does he do? Father, what? Forgive them, he turns the other cheek. Jesus is stripped naked to be embarrassed in front of his own countrymen. But in one sense, he gives the outer coat as well. He gives his very life. When asked to go one mile to endure some suffering, Jesus goes the extra mile. Jesus suffers to the point of death. Hear me, friend. What Jesus is inviting us to do is to walk in his way. And now you cannot do this in your own strength. So hear me. I am not saying suppress your feelings of being hurt and just pretend like you love people. No, that doesn't help anybody. And it only leads to only more pain within. What I am saying is because you have chosen to follow Jesus, you now have the spirit of Jesus living in you.
And the Spirit living in Jesus empowered him to endure the suffering and pain on the cross because he, out of love, wanted to provide a way of salvation. Now this puts a whole new light on the gospel. It's God's love demonstrated to us that even gives us a reason to want us, for us to want to follow God. And so what am I saying, dear friend? If you're not yet following Jesus, this is love. Not that you love God, but that God loved us and sent his one son, Jesus. Receive his love. And today could be the moment where you turn from being the person who was like the soldier and acting out of evil or like the person, you know, accusing other people and suing them or like the person slapping other people in the face, sinning, hurting, doing evil. You could be the person who is shocked today by God's love and receive it and respond to it and say, Jesus, I have nothing to offer you but my own sorrow and regret from my own sin. Will you forgive me? And Jesus, even on the cross, remember, says to the person at the last moment of his life, Jesus, remember me in paradise. Remember, rem remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, what? Today, you're gonna be with me. Today, I mean, he somehow on the cross saw God's love. And, and Jesus affirms and says, today, whereas everyone else is saying, wait a minute, he's a criminal who, who's paying for his crime. And God loves him, even in his last moment. And so why don't you today, please, friend, dear friend, today receive God's love in and through Jesus. He died and rose again to make you right with God so that you can live in a way that honors God and a way that honors other people and lives right with other people. And you can receive this gift today. Receive him, receive him, receive him. And today, if you've never done that, do it now. And I encourage you, even like, don't just wait, reach out. And we're gonna put a little button on the side of the screen that gives you an opportunity to talk to one of our friends who wants to hear from you and pray with you today, respond and put your trust in Jesus. And if you're doing it, let us know right now. For the rest of us, what does this mean? It means that we need to be fully developed. Don't resist the good work that God wants to do in your life. And the good work that God wants to do in your life is to show you how much he loves you and then push you and move you and me to live with the Father's limitless love. Well, uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray and then in a moment we're gonna take communion together because I can't think of any other important act that we could do today than to receive, receive the Father's love and then give the Father's love. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess that we have broken your law, we've done our own thing, we've gone our own way, we've sinned and we're ashamed of it. But today, we've been uh, eyes opened to your love. Father, thank you that you love us this much that you had sent your son to die and rise again, to pay our sin debt in full. And today we say thank you. Thank you for receiving us. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you for transforming us. Now help us, King Jesus, to live in a way that honors you and to respond with the Father's love. In your name. Amen.